1: Welcome. Welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you, the doers, the creators, movers, entrepreneurs, hustlers, innovators, CEOs, business owners, small business owners, you name it. Um, Any of you that are really outside the box. Never drew inside the lines. Uh, we get you. I get you for sure. been on that mission since the day I popped out <laughs> into this world. And all of our guests get you as well, too. The whole purpose of the show is to have these conversations of what actually happens in the journey versus, you know, glamorizing, glorifying, and success. as you guys know, i'm I'm a big advocate for um, showing more of real time, understanding of ourselves and what we're building and how we're working through those things and what we're passionate about. And our guests talk about these things as well, too. A, to show you that, you know, everybody's human and B, that, um, you know, there's information that might be helpful on your own journey and that C, we're also all the same in a lot of ways, just in different circumstances, Right. Uh, so for those of you that are new and, and just joining uh, the show, I'm Matt Gottesman, uh, founder of the show. And if you want to follow along on some of the other adventures I've got going on, you can follow me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. Please feel free to reach out and ask me anything that you want. I'm, I'm, I try to always be available to the audience. If you want to jump in on the conversation at the intersection of creativity and culture and entrepreneurship, that's at HDF Magazine on uh, Instagram. And then, of course, you can follow the show at Hustle Sold Separately. And I've got another amazing show. The show is continuing on um, during these um, new times uh, in an often uncertain world right now, but I can tell you that it's you know my goal to keep um, the conversation going and keep the light coming and you know just kind of be an open support and an open platform uh, and uh, just another great show with another great guest, which um, her name is Gina Wade, founder and principal of Gina Wade Creative, and I'm gonna queue up her bio in a second because um, she's got a phenomenal past uh, and just amazing amount of experience. Um, we're gonna be touching on a few different key areas um, in terms of you know your relationship with time <clears throat> and energy, which I think right now really relates to a lot of people. And of course, it also transfers over into you know your money, especially if you're a business owner uh, right now um, and in any kind of situation, not just right now. So the context will be at large and we'll try to also you know relate in a in a very current, uh, way, but also in a much bigger way because, you know, um, we're going to all get through what's happening outside right now. And uh, But just to give you a little bit of context on Gina, a very, very well-known and respected leader in the world of special events and hospitality. So you know that she's got context for what's happening right now. Uh, and an expert in event concepts, sales and branding, known for her vast creative ideas, client relationships, attention to detail, Uh, Her enthusiasm and caring demeanor immediately puts her clients at ease while she's bringing this entire vision to life, um, especially in moments that are uh, unprecedented. And she began her career in special events and marketing in 1997 when she joined Onboard Media, a division of Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy in Miami Beach, Florida, as the director of marketing and advertising. Uh, After moving to L.A. three years later, she was offered a job as a sales manager for special events and catering um, at the Mondrian Hotel. And then while she was there, she booked and managed events that included the Entertainment Tonight Emmy Party, Lifetime Women Rock, Beyoncé Record Release Event, An Evening at the Osbournes with Elton John, and Playmate, Playmate of the Year Party. In 2004, she left the Mondrian to become the director of special events for Social Hollywood and Boulevard 3. And while she was there, she continued to expand her client-based booking events such as TV Guides, Emmy, After Party, Justin Timberlake's William Rast fashion show and concert, HBO's Entourage premiere, and Vanity Fair's pre-Oscar VIP screening and dinner. After two years uh, at those venues, uh, she was recruited by Brent Bolthouse to become the director of special events for event production company, Bolthouse Productions, SBE, very familiar. Uh, Gina officially opened her own business in 2007, appropriately named Gina Wade Creative and instantly attracted an impressive list of clients. She has been a contributor for 944 Magazine and has been featured in LA Confidential, Hollywood Life, US Magazine, and Harper's Bazaar. And she's appeared on Good Day LA, My 13 News, as an expert in event production, trends, and entertainment marketing. She was also regular on Style Network's The Big Party Plan Off and was featured on Entertainment Tonight for her work on the Dancing with the Stars finale event. She'd be heard on XM Radio's Channel 24 as a resident event and lifestyle expert. Her website, blog, and social media outlets are dedicated to all things event tips, entertaining advice, and uh, some of her favorite products. Her dedication to her work and her commitment to her clients are just two of the features that have made her uh, a true standout and a very trusted resource in uh, L.A., Hollywood, and probably much of the world. And uh, so, I'm very fortunate to have her on. Uh, thank you, Gina, for being on the show.
0: Oh my gosh! Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. That's a that's a, that's a that's a run. <laughs> that's twenty. That's <laughs> like 22 years, 23, 21 years of of just um, of solid showing up and consistent work.
0: Yeah. And it's funny how, you know, I opened the company in two thousand and seven and I literally remember saying to myself, you know, I was single, I didn't have children. Um, I was I owned a condo. I had I had roommates at the time that were helping me pay the mortgage. And I thought, you know, I'll try this and if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to a full time job at a studio or at a hotel or whatnot. And that was thirteen years ago. And the company has changed and pivoted and grown in so many ways that I'm proud of. So you know, I think in 2007, I could have never even imagined being on a podcast like yours, talking about the types of events and clients that we've been so fortunate to work with. So, so well, we feel very lucky.
1: Well, you know, for for context purposes, um, you know, because I was, I think the first question is the only question that's ever really the same. It's like, hey, how, you know, how do we get here today? And by the way, I mean, you just uh, the Oscars just had happened recently, and you had this like amazing yeah. show <laughs> that I was trying to catch you right after in person in in LA, which we didn't get to meet up because of. You know current events but um you know you for context purposes like how did you 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 know kind of make this whole transition like you you know so from graduating college and going right into um into media and special events and public relations and like and the cool thing is you've played both sides you've been on the client side and working within an organization you've been you know you've been uh, an entrepreneur as well um the rest of the, the way um can you talk about that kind of the context of, the, of your journey a little bit and, and how you made that leap. And uh, you can also say if you want how scary or not scary it was. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's up to you. But I would love to learn more, you know, just more about the uh, some of the stuff that we that I mentioned in your bio because it just sounds phenomenal. And I think that, like, um, you know, you've taken a lot of chances. And um, I think people need to, to hear that part because it, it makes taking chances less scarier.
0: I, I honestly think One of the things that I advise people whenever I meet when I'm doing public speaking engagements or I'm doing coaching or whatever it is, whenever people ask me this question, you know, how did you how did you kind of get here and how did you know? To be perfectly frank, I didn't know at the time that this was the direction I was going in. But I will tell you that I knew at a very young age what my strengths were. And one thing I've always been very good at and very strategic and savvy at is I play to my strengths. You know, when I was at when I was in college, I had friends that were so bound and determined to be, you know, I'm going to be a doctor. And meanwhile, they're getting like C's in biochem. And to me, I'm like, you're not like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. Like, are you sure this is for you? Like you're scraping by and studying all night. Maybe this just is not something that is coming naturally to you. And I think that's one thing I always did really well was I knew what came naturally to me and I knew what I enjoyed. And I really leaned into those, those qualities and those things always led me to the people that saw those qualities in me, saw that I was good at those types of, um, of things. And then doors would sort of open because I, again, you, you kind of have to play to your strengths. So when I look back, you know, I was involved in all the social chair type, you know, spring fling stuff at, at when I was in my sorority and whatnot, even when I was working, um, when I was working for onboard media, we would basically promote shopping in the Caribbean. This was before not to date myself, but before eBay and online shopping and, and all that type of merchandising, this was people flying to the Caribbean to get Rolexes and really beautiful brand, you know, luxury goods for a discount. And, and, A lot of my counterparts were doing gem seminars and very scientific. And meanwhile, here I come bouncing along, 22 years old, blonde hair. Like nobody was going to believe me as a gemologist. So I skewed my entire sales pitch to Trends. And I would talk about who was wearing what at the Oscars and who, and I was so much more believable because that was what enticed me to purchase those types of things. So it came across so much more authentic. So again, leaning into, you know, my strengths and really understanding how I was perceived in the world, again, really, really helped me be successful in that field. Uh, And then I would throw events. All the time, like I was always throwing events. I was always entertaining. So when I look back, all the cues were there that I was obviously on my way to an event, an event career, I guess you could say. <laughs> I may not have known it at the time, but when I look back, I'm like, oh, I've always kind of been doing this.
1: I like when you brought up about, you know, in school when someone's going to become a doctor, that biochem and those things are e- by any means easy. But I did. Oh no. I, But I like that you brought that up because it's sort of because I did know I knew some doctors were they really, they loved so much that they cared so much to learn the info that mm-hmm. it wasn't about memorizing it. It was like, no, 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 like I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, in the lab and I'm trying to do this and apply what I just learned. And, and they would crush it and and get the grades that reflect with like, oh, wow, you really should be going after being a doctor versus, you know, when people kind of choose professions that like have been kind of told to them like, hey, here's what would make you a respectable person in society and um, and this is the responsible thing to do. Um, and then instead being you no, know, lean into your talents and really create a, a life that is, <clears throat> you know, based on those talents and allows you to actually, um, you know, go in a multitude of directions. The other thing I also liked was your flexibility. Um, literally, just on the last show and just in general, we were just talking about the fact that you know you always ask people like, you know, how did you know? And people always say the same thing. It's like you don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You just move and um mm-hmm. you know that you've got certain talents and you kind of maneuver them into different areas of interest and you make sure that you're being you're showing up as your most authentic self within those talents for those things and then through that discovery out pops your life a few years later <laughs> of like oh yeah here's where i am that's interesting <laughs> you know um so i'm glad that i'm glad you said that you know wholeheartedly because i think people need to understand that that um you know uh we don't have all the answers ever, ever.
0: No, no. And you know, the one thing that, that I will say always served me very well was I knew what I was and I knew what I wasn't, you know, and I knew I was never going to be a professor of calculus. It didn't interest me. It wasn't, it, it didn't give me the same type of charge, as communications and and talking to people and connecting with people, you know. I mean, I have a friend who's a very, very successful pharmacist, and she and I um, could not be different, more different. Excuse me, could not be more different in the things that really give us a charge. She loves, you know, working alone and figuring things out, and this. That, it, it, we're just totally different people, and we've been friends since we were kids, but where, where her journey was taking her and where mine was taking me, was very, very different. And not to say one was better or worse. I mean, they were just different, but I knew I could never do the things that she was doing because they just didn't suit my personality. And they just didn't give me that fire that the things that interested me did. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense?
1: Makes complete sense. Absolutely. And, and when we lean into that opportunities abound,
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. I'm a, not to skip ahead here in my whole journey, but I'm, I'm raising two children, a boy and a girl. And that's one thing that I've found being a mother. That's interesting because, you know, there's, there's people who have kids that everybody's kids is gift. Everybody's child is gifted. Everybody's child is so special and, and sure. (laughs) But I always, my husband and I have very deep talks about the fact that like, how we feel we're going to put our kids on the road to success, whatever success means to them. It may not mean what it means to us. They might have their own individualized idea of success, but our kids don't, my kids don't have to be good at everything. Because I think that when we go into the world, whether we're eight years old or, you know, 18 years old or 28 or wherever you are on your journey, if you're trying to be good at everything, it's the, Quickest way to be good at nothing, you know, because you're just going to get stretched too thin, and you're going to get pulled in a million directions, and it's just too much pressure. You know, know, nobody is good at it all. Like you, just nobody.
1: I I, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I don't, I don't have uh, kids yet, and um, but I think you made a very important distinction because some people were like, "Oh, my kids, and they must be this, and they must be that." I'm like, stop living. You know. I'm not a parent, so it's like what puts me in the position to say that? But like but I'm thinking about the way that my parents raised me. They didn't um, they never wanted to force um, whatever they did or didn't do out on me and for me to be good at everything. They wanted me to figure out what I love to do and um, and take chances so I can learn how to be a risk taker and resilient. Um, and that I had to become comfortable not knowing all the answers. But, um, and then find the areas that, um, I was strongest and and love to do and lean into them. So I love, I love that that's your, your, your husband's approach.
0: Well, think about it like this. Like I, I, and maybe it's just because I've owned my own business for so long. My mind always works in this ways of like, how would I look at this as a boss? I mean, I don't hire people. I I don't hire an accountant wanting my accountant to be my marketing person. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I don't hire my marketing person to do my books. So it's the same way I think with us. And again, I'm just using my, my parenting as sort of an example. I, I don't, I don't want them to feel like they have to be, they're going to, I want them to play to their strengths. I don't want them to feel like they have to be, you know, everything to everyone all the time. And I think as somebody that owns a business, it's the same thing. I also have to, I had to learn to sort of cut myself those types of breaks as well. Like I can't be everything to everybody all the time like you have to sort of pick your battles and figure out the things that you really excel at and try to hightail your focus onto those areas and delegate off the rest
1: you know and i think that that keep that it keeps us also very grounded when we do that you know because it's like Mm -hmm. i don't want to be all things to everyone i want to be exactly who i am and continue to um to elevate within that uh while you know and expansive of course um but um and it served more as a, oh, no, this is what someone can lean into me for, for what I'm bringing to the world. And I can equally rely on other really great people around me to lean in for them for what they show up in this world for. And then we have that kind of energy that we share versus, you know, doing it all. I realized once I got to a point, uh, a point of where I'm doing too much, uh, that was a very hard look in the mirror of, like, it's time to start um, letting go. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I
0: agree and I think a lot of businesses and business people go through that I mean I I knew it was time time to pivot in my business when all these things I'd worked so hard to get you know suddenly we were doing events for Netflix Hulu Showtime and we were producing these events designing these events I mean it was legitimately a dream come true this was something i had been working towards for years um but I felt there got to be a point where I almost started to sense that I felt resentful because I, I had done everything, not everything, but I'd done, I'd taken on so much. Um, because I really, in my mind, I thought like, well, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to, I, you know, I, it's faster if I do it than delegate it off. That, I was just doing myself a disservice and it wasn't until I really started to look at the strengths of the people I'd hired around me and be more strategic in delegating those tasks off to them that I feel like we really started to, our our work started to really go up a notch.
1: And I think that's so uh, parallel to both uh, professional and personal because um, when, we, when we can do what we do really well and we can do more of what we do really well because we're, we're quote unquote delegating I say quote unquote because obviously, like in a personal world, it's like, oh, I'm not going to just delegate <laughs> to you in my relationship right. with you. <laughs> it sounds weird but <laughs> but but that idea of like the parallel between you know business and 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 personal is that like when we have people around us that really complement us so it allows us to do what we do very well, we expand way further than we ever could when we're trying to do it all,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, just recently before, you know, the shit hit the fan, right. um, <laughs> the last big event that we did was we did the Oscar party for Parasite. And we produced that event in about four weeks. Wow. And yeah. And it was one of those things where if mm-hmm. they won, we knew the after party was going to be a much different situation than if they lost.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and wow. they sort of
0: swept everything. And I just remember that night thinking, you know, we did all this in four weeks, and if I had only had myself to rely on, it wouldn't have been, the result wouldn't have been as as beautiful as it was. And I think in those short-term, big projects that come along like that, it's such a great way as the leader to give your team an opportunity to shine in their own right, because when they can shine and they can be a part of the success, then they feel an ownership towards the success. Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and I just think that's the best you can do for people. I mean, like giving, giving my team an opportunity to to take on projects and succeed and, and, you know, rise to the occasion and, and um, challenge themselves and push, and seeing that all come together, I think that that's one of the best things that I can give to the people that I've hired to be a part of this network um, in my business.
1: And you know, and I think with the amount of experience you have, and seeing you know, after all, all the years of you know, whether from working with certain brands and organizations, and then you know, growing your your. Uh, agency from scratch and, and everything, it gives you the context of how would you do something different? And I didn't realize that really until the last year myself in terms of, um, you know, I ended up kind of creating a inadvertently a growth marketing agency around all the fun tech sales and marketing automation, fun stuff that most people don't like to do on the back end because it's like, holy shit, (laughs) like it's all the tech stuff, but it's where all the, you know, all the growth happens. And I, as I, I leaned into my, my, My operations specialist, who's just incredible um, at what she does, and I said, my goal is very simple. You are a ninja. (laughs) You, what you do, what you do in your world, like I get it because I spent time. I spent a year and a half straight of doing it, and you crushed me in a matter of minutes. And how you did it, I was like, my goal is as this role of what I've created with what I've founded is to do this so well that it supports your lane, so that way your lane has everything you need your lane when you're operating at the highest capacity supports my lane for the type of output that clients and people around the world are like, Oh wow. Like I've never seen it done that way. And how are you doing this? I was like, Mm -hmm. so we, you shine by my lane supporting your lane and your lane supporting my lane and that we're all operating together and you managing the team, the rest of the team from the, the execution side of things. Um, and I'm here to just support that even if I'm the founder. And because I had seen so many organizations, you know that it's sort of like you're paid. This is what you do. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, hold, yeah. hold up a second, <laughs> you know. So, so I love that. I love that. I just I loved your your approach. Um, and you know, because let's talk about that. I mean, when you first so in 2007, how long were you by yourself in doing everything?
0: Um, about a year.
1: Okay, so you only put up with it for a year. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, the thing was, was when my company started, I was in a much different place than I am now. Um, I had a background in... In a hospitality. I'd worked at the Mondrian in-house and I'd worked at social and Boulevard three, as you had said in the intro. Um, so what had happened during the course of that portion of my career was that a lot of these hotels and restaurants and event spaces had been trying to hire me full time. And a lot of them were too small or too boutique. And it just, it didn't, it wasn't on the growth trajectory for me. It didn't make sense. So when I went out on my own, I went back to all those venues and said, basically, listen, you know, A full-time position didn't make sense for me when you were offering it to me, but here's what I know. When you work in events in a hotel, a lot of your day is spent in internal meetings and reactionary selling, you know, your phones ring off the hook. And that was always one of the hardest things for me at the Mondrian was we were busy. So for me to take the day off, not the day off, but like to take a day And go visit clients and do really, you know, aggressive sales calls or cold calling or this and the other, you know, LA is so spread out. By the time I drove around and saw three clients, the day was done and I came back to the office and I'd have, you know, 30 emails and 40 voicemails. And then I'm kind of behind. So I basically went to all those venues and said, this is likely the experience that your internal people are having. Why don't you hire me? To be a hired gun, I will sit down, will strategize, figure out what business you're not getting, and I will go out on your behalf and grab that business Mm -hmm. and bring it to you. And that was a need that I, just from the people I'd worked with, I knew I could fill, and they'd already, you know, wanted to hire me. So I knew that they trusted me. And we had a lot of success with that, with a lot of different venues, bringing them business, helping them. Reevaluate and tweak, you know, the way that they were doing business, looking at the way that they strategized and the product that they were offering and the way they were offering it. So we were very venue specific for quite some time. And then the clients that I was working with, the brands and whatnot, you know, they'd come into town and I'd say, You should do your event at one of these three venues or this venue or what have you. Those clients started to say to me, Well, we want to do something downtown. And my response was like, oh, you know, unfortunately, I'm not working with any vendors or venues downtown. And one particular client said, well, why can't I just hire you to produce the event? Don't you have a history of that? And I was like, you know, I do. And so (laughs) we launched our event design and production company. And I went back to all of those clients and had to sort of rebrand myself and get them to take a look at me in a new way. Mm. And not just as the person that would put them in the perfect venue or guide them along to make sure the venue was doing everything that they asked and to their specifications and whatnot. Now I needed them to see me as a designer and a producer and that business took off. Um, I would say when I started, we were much heavier into venues and smaller into production. And that has completely flip flopped. Now I would say that our production and design, um, business way outweighs um our venue business, and so we still work with venues. We do it a little more specifically now. That's changed a little bit the way that we've done it because again we've sort of had to pivot and whatnot. We have some ideas for 2020 and 2021 as to expand that business as well. Um, just because again the times have changed so much from when I started this in, you know, 2007, and so. You know, all of those things have kind of contributed to the fact that like we've just sort of changed and altered and fulfilled needs and changed and grown to fulfill the needs of our clients as they have grown and changed.
1: That's so well put um, because there's an evolution of you and your craft and there's the evolution of the um, needs that as you evolve can serve more at higher and higher levels. That's exactly. I, 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 so that's everything I love about that because, um, you know, I, what started off as me being a, a, like a tech, uh, you know, company yep. owner, like I was I was in my 20s trying to do my first tech startup, I knew nothing about the internet. <laughs> I just used it and consumed it. Yeah. And the more I understood about back end hardware and software, which I didn't like, but I loved learning about it, just didn't like I just wasn't trying to do it. But I would be able to bring brands to life digitally, it then transpired into like, oh, now I'm a digital consultant. And then it was like brought on to like, hey, how do you transfer like what a brand does in the real world into a digital world and manage like people at scale? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then it's like, but preserve the brand. And then be taught by like CEOs under Louis Vuitton, and Hennessy, different CEOs like how to preserve brands in a global context, right? And then it's like, oh, hey, you're that brander. We'll refer you to the World Trade Center. It's like you get, you get branded as all these different roles mm-hmm. over time. And in that, you get so I like that you also brought up that you had to rebrand yourself along the way because that's a very true statement. i I would get niched in certain areas because it was what I was able to provide digitally that you get this kind of like referral rate thing going on, like, oh this is the guy you go to, he'll take care of that. He, you know, and you're like, but no, there's there's more and then and then I'm learning more. And then to your your point about, as you're learning these new niches that these businesses and brands need, especially as business in the world at large and pop culture in general is even evolving in different uh, paths, um, the ability to be able to provide for them. So it's been funny watching, you know, I'm, I'm just relating to you and like how my own journey has had to keep... Because you know, pe- people would say like, hey, we trust you. We love you. We love working with you. I'm like, cool. They're like, "You know, do you know how to do all this other stuff? Because like our, our agency was doing like this. I'm like, oh, no, here. Just ask them to do this, this, and this. They should be able to take care of it. And he's like, yeah, they can't. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> all right, you need me to resource that? Until I started to kind of organize a bit more. And I realized, I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, the very thing I said I would never do, I'm now becoming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because
0: our, like I said, our venue business was so big. It was such a big portion of what we were doing. And then it sort of pivoted more to production and design and production and design has now pivoted me. I've been doing a lot of um, public speaking and um, we we're talking about launching a podcast yay, and doing one-on-one coaching. And I've loved that and helping people along their journey. While that was all happening, suddenly with the changes in social media and all of these ways that people market and brand their businesses. Now that has really changed the way people are selling venues and why people pick the venues that they pick to host their events. So now what we're seeing is a spike in that business. Again, we've got a couple of venues that are hopefully, um, going to come on board with us and let us represent them and kind of change the way that they're selling and marketing their brands. Um, so I could see it, especially with everything going on with COVID and everything, I could see us shifting some of those, energies back into the venue space, and the hospitality space again. Um, I think that the main thing that is so important is, you know, I think any truly successful business is one that doesn't just rest on its laurels. I think by mm-hmm. staying still, you're destined to just become obsolete. Yes. And I think that, you know, even we work with a ton of people in the entertainment space, but the rise of Netflix and Hulu and Amazon has completely changed even that game. And now networks, traditional networks are having to change the way they market their shows and the way they entertain and the events that they do, you know, in their Emmy campaigns and their globe campaigns and whatnot. And if we were just doing things the same old, same old way, I don't think those people would be as engaged or interested in working with us. And I think that no matter what business you're in, and it goes back to the, elements that we talked about at the top of the show, if you're passionate about these things, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're working. I mean, it always feels like work, researching (laughs) and staying like, you know, I love seeing how people are, um, projecting their brands or how they're presenting themselves or how somebody does a big, you know, celebrity wedding or you know, the new venues that are all opening up, up and down Sunset Boulevard, what are they doing to stand out? How are they marketing themselves? What, what, what does their lobby look like? That's different than that lobby or what amenities are they offering that this other one isn't, isn't offering that kind of stuff. I can't get enough of. Mm -hmm. So when I'm, when I'm gobbling up that content, that doesn't feel like work to me. It gives me such a charge because when I'm seeing what other people are doing or how the, hospitality world or the event world or the marketing world is changing or even the changes in social media, I immediately go to that place in my head of, okay, this is hot. This is getting people talking. This is cool. This is engaging. Now, how do we take that and implement it to our clients?
1: Oof, so good. <laughs> so true. I mean, the details, the devil's in the details, right? It's always in the details. Yeah. And, and I, and I, it's ever evolving. And I, and I like that, you know, you whether they're good times or uh, crises, it, there's constant opportunities and has to be for um, brands and businesses because change is inevitable and it's happening it's not it used to just happen you know ever so many years. we're now watching it happen daily or hourly. Um, and that ability to adapt, as a business, um, I'm not saying that they have to do the whole run to every shiny object, you know, syndrome that that a lot of businesses, you know, oh, we have to do this, now we have to do TikTok, now I have to do that. It's like, well, hold on, hold on. You just you have to be relevant, depending on where are the people you're constantly trying to connect with. And, right and and deliver that message all the way through to them so you basically say hey like as you evolve i evolve we're all in this together community by tribal <laughs> you know whether, right. whether we're a hundred people or a hundred thousand um you know uh here's what we're going to continue the party um and and elevate the brand um and that if to your point if you're not adapting to the the change in the people you serve you will be left behind because, and they, they want you to, they want you to come with them. You know, it's a, it's a dual relationship. On one hand, you're trying to go with them. And on the other hand, you're trying to lead by knowing a little bit before they do there. So there's this cool relationship, you know, in branding and marketing. Um, so I, I think that's, it's, that's amazing you bring that up because adapt or die is kind of like the whole Steve Jobs thing, right? <laughs> so.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know, this is such a, interesting time that we are specifically living in. And even with that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay off of, of social media too much right now. I I dive in and I dive out just because there's a lot of criticism as to how people are handling the pandemic and how businesses are handling. And, And I honestly think everybody's, there's no handbook for this. Like, you know, we're all getting thrown in in with both feet. And so if these businesses are trying new marketing elements or, or strategies to try to engage people while they're not getting any business, I I would like to think that people wouldn't be so highly critical of that because I think there's a lot of people that are just trying to stay afloat. And, you know, it's so funny. I recently just did a, a speaking engagement and afterwards I was talking to some of the participants and, they were all asking about social media and and namely TikTok to go back to your original point about, you know, going to this one and going to that one. Um, and I was telling them again, you know, TikTok is great, but does TikTok really build your brand? In fact, one person that was talking to me was a photographer and he was like TikTok, TikTok. And I was like, but I don't think I'd hire you because you had a really funny TikTok. But what you could offer is to some of the brands that you work with to do some really cool curated TikToks that you could offer to them.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, you know what I mean, I do, and you know, I think that that that's so key what you brought up because um, the overwhelm can also come from a business of being like, am I am I now doing too much, um, mm-hmm. and for like forcing relevancy versus flowing. Agreed. And, right, and um, now I, you know, what I kind of because I've been in that position what you've been told, and I say, listen. Do I think you should reserve the asset? Yes, because I think your brand should own every asset of your, (laughs) you know, period, end of story. I was like, but on another note, I was like, if you're on there to kind of learn and see what, you know, what the possibilities are of it in, you know, over time, because just as people were only on Instagram to take pictures in the beginning um, mm-hmm. that yeah. eventually moved off so at least you'll it's like uh, reading you know maybe you're reading like the, the times or something like that you're just you're reading it every day just to kind of observe and watch and see how it evolves So that way when the time comes to strike you're at least in the position to do so because you're aware not so much because you're like what is this thing that I have absolutely no you know mm-hmm. and I was like that's kind of maybe yeah. how you can balance not using it but being in it enough to observe the behaviors and the growth and, the, and where people take things over time um, but otherwise, if you're just trying to force relevancy, you 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 end up losing time and energy for where like you really should be focused. So it's a it's a very delicate balance, you know.
0: Agreed, agreed. And like for me, I don't believe in my soul of souls that anybody that's throwing a big movie premiere is going to see me doing you know the woo on TikTok and think I'm the person to hire. But <laughs> but I might get hired by a brand that is a. Let's say it's a dance brand or it's a something, you know, just a really fun young brand and a TikTok marketing plan with an event that rolls around TikTok could be phenomenal. And also, I've pitched to TikTok twice. Um, I unfortunately did not get either gig, but you know, we've kept in touch. I've invited them to some of the other events I've I've, you know, produced. And my hope would be that I would get to work with them someday. So there again, just looking at that brand and looking at the content that they're putting out is important to me because you never know who's going to come knocking on your door. So it's good to at least have an idea of sort of what the trends are. There's a thing that I always kind of tell myself are the three S's smart, savvy, and strategic. Yes. And every S is great. Like every, every S is cute. Um, you know, I mean, it's great to be smart, it's great to be savvy, and it's great to be strategic, but it's fucking rad to have all three. And I think that without all three, the people that have all three, the people that know how to be strategic and savvy and smart, and know how to use those things to the absolute best of their ability. Those are the people that are just monsters in their field,
1: you know, but they're monsters in the field, but that is a long game narrative.
0: Yeah. True. That is a
1: ver- because you know <laughs> I mean I'm not nominating myself but I am nominating myself with those those qualities <laughs> and well because like I've been speaking on some of this stuff I've been in this for 20 years. I've been speaking on the the, the platforms for about 7 and there's so many people who they just they don't get it and uh, and it's hard sometimes when you're trying to do a 20 year narrative of like mm-hmm. you don't understand like this is about distribution. You look at it as this is about social media. I look at this as about distribution and media. And I'm like, look at the top, you know, how media was done before in the past. Look how the media is being done now. Look about the, you know, and because I, I got into the music industry early on. And I saw that um, back in 2000, I was like, hey, look at what Napster is doing. Like, artists are going to own their future. Like, yeah, sure, kid. That took 18, 17 years. Now the kids are kind of like, oh, my God, I, I should own my own everything because I have full distribution. I'm like, bingo and digital yep. bingo and they're like oh wait a minute and i can control my publishing yeah actually you can i control my masters yeah actually you can i control the payroll yeah you can <laughs> so um i it's hard i think sometimes for um i think it's a what i guess why i'm going to it is it's a beautiful combination that you have to be so um ingrained in and um Uh, Confident, in because there are a lot of people where they're maybe only using one or two of those aspects, even even really gifted, smart people on the way that I've met CEOs are like, I just don't see it. I'm like, how do you not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's okay too because then it becomes a very cool relationship, like education. Like, hey, let me show you some stuff, and then you start to see the like the lights go on. They're like, oh wait a minute, you're like, bingo, you know. But that's also like those
0: are smart CEOs because they. They don't see it, so they're bringing you in to show them. They're not pretending mm-hmm. that they know something Amen. that they
1: don't. Yeah. And then – You know? And then – And then uh, and it's, it's it's a beautiful relationship because you brought up relationships because then I see how they're managing change for so many people mm-hmm. and so many employees and things like that. So it's always a really dual like – I get to, we get to kind of – I call it business therapy and it goes both ways, right? <laughs> because I'm, oh, yeah. they're, they're constantly asking me questions like, yeah, hey, how do we do this? And how do we do that? I'm like, oh, and here's why. You know, we're going through it, you know, for – for you know a long while and then at the same time I'm like hey just out of curiosity so how are you managing 500 people <laughs>
0: you know? yeah I think those are the best relationships the ones where you're when there's nothing better and I'm sure you've been down this road numerous times when you're in a room with people and they're listening to you and you're listening back and everybody's bringing something really valuable to the table yes and everybody's learning from everybody else, not in the way that like I'm trying to learn your job so I can do it. It's more of just how, how does this view look from your vantage point? Because this is how it looks from mine and this is how I'm seeing this. You know, um, I think as a, as a woman, sometimes I'll talk to brands and we'll be doing events for brands, especially in the beauty market um, where I literally think to myself, well, I'm your demographic. I'm the person you're selling to. And what you're talking about wouldn't register with me. Right. And it wouldn't resonate with any of my friends, you know? So I think that there again, if any, you know, I'm not a big believer that you have to be the client to sell the product. I think anybody good can sell to anybody, but I think that those salespeople and those entrepreneurs do take the time to listen to and engage the people that they are in fact trying to connect with
1: well and there's just so much complimentary play there when that happens because it's like the more i understand about your lane and the more you understand about my lane the more we can really like go 150 in parallel you know Mm -hmm. um you know and you know like a a company that i i serve inadvertently as its president, uh, is an entertainment company out in LA. And it's interesting to learn from the events side, all of them, um, the music acts and the whole, like, how everything works from putting together from a music side. But then, uh, you know, so I'm constantly learning from him. And he's constantly, as you know, learning from me on the, you know, the media and the the growth marketing side. and like, how do we, you know, massive distribution and, you know, and, and all these things on, the, on digital and tech. So it's a very interesting, but it's beautiful because it's like, hey, teach me what you did that with that thing over there. Like, what's that, what, mm-hmm. you know, and how does what I do help that? And then likewise, it'll be like, hey, what is it that you do over there with that? You know, I love that. Like, can that be applied to this? I'm like, yeah, actually, it really could. Like, interesting. So I could take that engine <laughs> and put it in this car. Be like, actually, yeah, you could. I'd be curious to see what that does, you know. And I think then you create this beautiful synergy and relationship um, built on both creativity and trust, right?
0: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely.
1: So it's, 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 so it's interesting. And then, you know, kind of this point of, uh, surrounding yourself, right. With the right people. And, and, um, because I think you can also gauge a lot about a, a business when you're sitting in that room and you've got all of these different, um, you know, uh, players on the game helping, you can kind of really see where a brand is at and probably the, the ability of a, whether or not you don't even want to work with them or b um, you know, having, you know, knowing that you already are working with them, having this really great Um, you know, understanding uh, as the bigger picture, et cetera. Right. But you can also kind of use it to see who's really willing to play and who's not. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, I, I think that taking those cues and taking those relationships and implementing, implementing them into your own team is also a really big deal. Mm. Like I had people working with me at year two and three that I, they were great and I love them. But when we really started to grow, they weren't really where we needed them to be in year five, six, seven. Mm. And there's, you know, you've got to surround your people, yourself with people that are, they're the sales, not the anchors. You know what I mean? Yes. And what I found was I had a few employees that just ate up a lot of my time, took a lot of my focus, sucked a lot of my energy. And I, I, value loyalty and I value growth and change and whatnot. So I mistakenly was like, well, I will, we'll get there and we'll get back on track and this, that, the other. And what I realized was it wasn't fair to my other employees. It wasn't fair to me. It was, and it wasn't fair to the overall business because again, it was an energy and a time suck. Mm. And you know, you, and I found that with vendors too. We work with a lot of vendors, lighting vendors, florists, you know, uh, entertainment, DJs. I mean, you name it. And there are some that just make the job so easy. Their game, if there's a problem, they fix it. They come to me with solutions that they, they have a vested interest in the event being perfect because they know that if I get hired for another one, they're getting hired for another one. And those are the people I consistently hire because the people that make it challenging and the people that make it difficult and question and always come with problems and always muddy the waters. I just can't do it. It just, I can't, it just eats up too much of my time. But those are things again at year one and two, I would have never thought these were going to be the things I was going to be contending with in year 12 and 13,
1: you know, makes perfect sense. And, and, um, we hope that who we start off the journey with um, evolves at the same pace. We hope. And some Absolutely. some do, you know, a lot don't. It, it, it completely happens. They And they serve um, a very pivotal role in that phase. Um, and then, you know, they can continue on elsewhere. You know, it, it definitely happens. I, you know, I've kind of loved this analogy I've been working with of um, when I look at, I look at everything as like a game seven in the NBA finals first of all, to get to game seven, you've lost half the games. So your team together has lost half the games, but it's still playing for the championship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's but,
0: good. Yeah. Oh, I, love that.
1: I, I, I go on this whole tear because I also use this about, you know, partnership in life as well, too, both in, in friends or your, your partner. But that like when Michael Jordan passes the ball to Scottie Pippen, he knows that Scottie Pippen is not going to always make the shot like he's just not i mean even even if he's shooting 30 percent, he's <laughs> like doing pretty good but it's because he can rely on scotty pippen to show up every day scotty's watching the tapes he's practicing mm-hmm. the you know obviously i'm dating a little bit here because the time frame they're no longer playing but the, you get the ideas like that he's showing up to practice he's shooting the free throws he's watching the tapes i don't have to um, babysit that person they are showing up And it's my job to show up as the best version of me every single day to complement their level of play and their level of play does the same for me. And so when we choose partners or teammates or whatever it might be, you know, thinking, can I pass the ball in trust? And no matter whether they make the shot or not, that they are constantly growing in their game and it's supporting my play and vice versa. And if that's the case, we got we got a championship caliber team. And, um, and then I actually had somebody really, really spiritual, uh, person, uh, say, are you playing for the same ring? <laughs> I was like, Ooh, that's actually, he's like, just to add, he's like, it's a great analogy. He's like, just make sure you're also playing for the same ring. I'm like, uh, good call. <laughs> but, um, but you're, you're, so I, I think it's, um, and you're, you're right. You just don't know. Um, it's, it's different earlier on as you're trying to kind of evolve and, and the energy suck is a real thing. Oh, yeah. And
0: I've been very fortunate. Um, My director of events, Marcus Pimentel, he's been with me for 11 years, I want to say. He was my first employee and we're still working together now. And he's absolutely grown with the company. And he's amazing. He's my right hand. But he is somebody that from day one, you know, had a vested interest Mm. in the growth and success and the teamwork and all of that. And you know, he set the standard very high for anybody else that comes into our into our world. Um and that's strategic. But, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's and that's very strategic. Yeah. And and yeah, so I just I, I always think it's so interesting when there's no I mean, there's a million classes you can take on like, you know where to, how to be productive and how to do this, that, and the other, but there's just that real world on the job training that can't be taught. I mean, you just have to be doing it. And when I started my business, the things that have come along both good and I don't want to say bad, but the challenges, I guess I could say, I'm so grateful for all of them, but the challenges have really been the things that have pushed me to the next level because if you can, if you can get past your challenges, if you can get past the hard times, I mean, if you're successful and all you've had is easy, how, how successful can you really claim to right. be?
1: Right. You know,
0: I mean, amen. It, you know, so <laughs> it's really when I look back and I think, wow, that was tough and we got through that and wow, that was tough and we got through that. I, I mean, even just interpersonal things, I had an amazing intern who we ended up hiring full time who, very young, great, great person, great part of our team. And she went through an insane tragedy where she lost a friend um, in, at the, uh, the uh, concert in, at the Mandalay Bay, the big mm, yes. shooting. And nobody tells you, as a boss, how to handle that. And nobody, there's no handbook on things like that. There's no handbook on what we're all going through together now. And I just remember thinking like, gosh, I really really hope I'm doing right by this person. I care about her, I, you know, I want her to be okay. Meanwhile, at the same token, I had all this business but I still had to keep going and keep moving. And so it was a really interesting experience because when your team is dealing with something or grieving or loss, it's hard and nobody trains you, you just have to do the best that you can to support them and take work off of them and put it back onto yourself and keep the ball rolling. Um, But these are just the things that I could have never imagined that I would be faced with. And when I look back, you know, I've made mistakes. I've done things really well. um, And I'm grateful for every single experience because I do feel like Every single step has brought us to where we are now. And when I really look at it and I reflect on it in that way, it gets me very excited about the future because I think I could have never imagined, I mean, I imagined it sort of, but I was, I was dreaming about it, but where we are now seems so far away from where I started. So if I think about the next 10 years, even in the situation that we're dealing with now with COVID and whatnot, You know, there's no doubt in my mind that we're all going to get past this. The end of the tunnel may be very different for some of us than others. Um, It may change our businesses drastically. It may change them not at all. I mean, depending on the fields that people are working in. But my hope is that this will bring all of us a sense of community and a strength that will parlay us to a a higher level than any of us could have really imagined being possible.
1: Mm. I'll put that part on repeat. <laughs> that whole, <laughs> that whole, that whole run right there. Um, first of all, shout out to the day ones. <laughs> shout You're out, right. to, shout out to the day ones for sure. And then, um, and you bring up a very solid point that um, while we are building a business, uh, human experiences are happening, and um, because it's not just your world, but the worlds of other people that are believing in your vision and building on your vision. And relying on and they continue to rely on you as the Michael Jordan to them to their world um, and leadership has its moments where there's this weird you know you know how do you divide up your energy to I feel you I empathize with you I'm here for you and hopefully you don't feel that I'm also being insensitive that I've got to make sure that the rest of the family members of this you know organization and our clients, are all still running as well too so there's this dual balance of i'm here to help and do everything i can and communicate you know and but i also don't want you to you know feel any insensitivity to the situation because there's this behemoth of a you know an operating system that's still running on a day-to-day basis so i give you a lot of credit because it's having to work through um, the uh, everything is uncertain. <laughs> daily life. Yeah. Daily life is uncertain. It always has been. Um, I just think I think people, everybody around the world now is seeing just how uncertain at any given day anything can happen.
0: You know what's made me feel better about it, and I hope this doesn't come off as insensitive. But what what I have been really realizing is for good or for bad, when a tragedy happens, when there's a loss, whatever it is, life does move on. Yes. And you see it at even a funeral. Um, I had a dear friend from college lose her husband very, very young and they had very young children. And I remember being at the reception after the funeral and people were laughing and they were sharing stories and this, that and the other. And it took a long time for that family to get back to a semblance of normal. But what I found is that we all have this coping mechanism that is moving on. Yes. And there is a real comfort in the familiar. And what what I've realized is, is that when I either personally or professionally have been faced with a struggle or a challenge, I've had to divide it into sort of two two waves of thought the emotional and the business because to your point the business has to move on and it may seem crass and insensitive at times that it's like you know I'm really sorry that this is happening to you but I've got to get this proposal in by Friday like that seems crazy at the time but when you decide to take on a business and you decide to take on clients and you decide to take on employees The amount of the amount of time that you can put into the emotion changes drastically because you've made a commitment to those people to keep rowing that ship. You got to keep moving forward, and if a wheel falls off the car, you got to say that sucks and whatever, and then you got to throw the wheel back on and keep driving, and what I found is I've been very forthcoming with all of my employees as to the pace that I typically work on and what is important to me and what is important to me is them. And if I can't be there for them every day for the emotional part, at least I can offer them consult in the fact that I'm going to keep the business running and I'm going to keep food on their plates, cars in their driveway. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and also you're talking to somebody who I had two children had C-sections and I was back at work 10 days later. I mean, I definitively run at a very different pace. And even through that experience, which was a happy experience, I had all kinds of people that were like, how could you tear yourself away that fast? Did you feel weird? Did it, are you worried that you and your child didn't bond as much? And meanwhile, I had a bassinet in my office. I did walkthroughs with Jake and a baby Bjorn more than <laughs> once. Um, but that, that was the commitment that I made to the team was that I don't get those breaks. So that's the hardest part is being, being there through the struggles, but also being sort of a pillar of strength. Because at the end of the day, you know, my employees have cried to me, my employees have, you know, unloaded on me, you know, with not not on me, but unloaded about things that are stressing them out and whatnot, and and I've I've been side by side with them through all kinds of ups and downs. But the best thing that I can offer them, regardless, is stability. Mm. And if they think that I am committed and stable and you know f- hyper focused on keeping everything moving forward, I think that's the best thing that I can offer them. Michael Jordan. yeah right
1: (laughs) Michael Jordan you are you know um thank you for sharing that I had a lot of people ask when my father passed away last year uh and I've talked about this before but um they're like how can you be working already and um and I said you know um my father really believed in every single choice I ever made um like a a knowing i've said this but previously uh, he there's just a knowing in him of what i already what i'm still learning for me but a knowing Mm -hmm. for him for me and um had i stopped life i would be doing a disservice to him and that hit me very differently in so when he passed it was sort of like um we're now working harder than ever together. It's just that he's in a different form. And if I if I stopped, like, what was it all for? Not to say that the, grieving is grieving; you still have to grieve. That everybody, grie- everybody's grieving is different. I just, um, I just, I knew that he believed in me so strongly that he wouldn't be like, you know, he'd be like, you know, yeah, grieve, you know, but love you know, like move, like move, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. In fact, actually even more miracles happened than ever after he passed. It was really weird, you know, but that's a whole other, (laughs) that's a whole other podcast episode. But, um, so I, you know, and understand a little bit more about how that kind of world works, but, um, it was a very interesting, um, it was very interesting for me to, to, to process and be like, Oh, wow. Like I'm still working with him, but as a person who believed in me, um, I'm still bringing that forward. And there's others that also rely on me. And so you're almost bringing their legacy. Like I want to bring what he really had started and gotten up to forward to expand even more versus just stopping. So I looked at it as a spiritual experience, but you're right. Like you, you can't, there's, there's, there's a level of responsibility that can I actually live on top of the already good that came from a death Um, even though there's grieving, lots of it going on at the same time.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is I'll tell you my mom two years ago, almost gosh, Easter's coming up. My mom two years ago, the day before Easter um, fell into a coma and it was the worst experience of my life. And it was ongoing because, you know, there was all these elements that went into that, but she's, she's thank goodness she's fine now But same as you, I would go to work. um, I would fly up to Seattle, be at the hospital, fly back home on the weekends. I'd work from Seattle, come back home, be with my husband and our children on the weekends, fly back up. And same thing. I had people that couldn't believe that I could still be working. And I had to explain to them me falling apart. In fact, my favorite thing that people would say to me was, how are you not falling apart right now? And my standard answer was, Falling apart is not a luxury that I'm afforded. Yeah. And my mother wouldn't want me to, fa- like, I have two children, and I'll tell you something. If something happened to me, God forbid, right now, I would not want their lives to, to completely fall apart. I would want them to get back to some sense of normal. And I think with our parents, it's the same for us, is that, you know, my mom my mom wouldn't have woken up and, and been where she is now, and been like, Oh, well, why is your business still <laughs> intact? Right. Why did it not all fall apart when I was hooked up to machines? Like that's not the conversation we were going to be having, you know? Um, and also there's a comfort in work because work is something I could control. Mm, yes. Um, yeah, and I was dealing glue. with an uncontrollable thing and work was something that I could control. Yeah. Um, so I had to keep it all together. I had to keep it together for my employees. I had to keep it together for my clients. I had to keep it in together for my kids. You, you just, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I had one friend say to me, I couldn't do it. And I said to her, then never have your own business.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right. You know, it's a, it's a whole other level of responsibilities. I love when people are always yeah. like, I want the freedom. I'm like, you realize that with freedom comes immense responsibility and accountability.
0: 100 do you love the people do you ever get this i get people not as much now but when i first started or when i was first meeting people they they would ask me what i was doing when i told them i own my own business i would get the, a handful of people that would say oh that's got to be so great you can work whenever you want <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like yeah always? yeah always every day all the time yeah. yes yeah. You
1: are what's the uh what's there's a famous meme or quotes like uh um, business owners or entrepreneurs the only people who um, don't work a 40-hour job so they can work an 80-hour job for themselves or something like that
0: <laughs> yeah
1: very, so, true. Uh, very true very you true know? and and there's this you know um there's this oh it's a very weird place because you're you're trying to grow something, so it's forcing you into a level of accountability and responsibility that you hadn't anticipated until you are um, trying to be real about where you're at and where you're trying to go. And so it forces you into accountability, responsibility, honesty, which trickles over into your personal life, and then your personal life trickles over into your business life, like this whole kind of like how you, your, your growth mode. Um, and um, you know, it's not that I'm ever fully prepared for any crisis. But I will say that because you get so comfortable with the uncomfortable for so long that and that, you know, many crises or big crises happen often just at a very individual level. After a while, you you do become comfortable with the uncomfortable and the uncertainty because you've you've practiced it so much that there's just it becomes a knowing. So when people say, like, how do you know everything's gonna be okay?" Right. Right now, I'm like, everything's gonna be okay." I can absolutely 100 percent tell you how will it be? I can't tell like how that will look. I can't tell you, but that'll be okay. Absolutely. Maybe even better than you could have ever imagined. But, um, you know, that's dropping the expectations and then, um, you know, and using the time to kind of reset, um, and, uh, you know, and move from here. But, uh, I, there's a knowing that everything's going to be, you know, great on the other side. It's just that, it's always shit going through it, (laughs) you know, but
0: yeah. And you know, but that is the testament of somebody that's been through something. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? Like I I think that that's why, and I listen, I am not at all unaware that I'm, I'm coming from this crisis from a very different place. I have a roof over my head. I have healthy children. I have food in our fridge and I'm well aware that this is not the reality for others. Yep. So, you know, and, I will say though, that when you've been through some stuff and you've come out at the other side, it is easier to have hope. Yes. Um, And also I think that there's a weird, I don't know if you feel like this sometimes, but I feel like with, with certain entrepreneurs, there's almost like a weird, never say die chromosome or something. Like I'm kind of one of those people that's like, Oh no, no, we're getting through this. Like you know, get in the car, get whatever, like we're getting through it. Like it's sort of a never say die attitude because oh, yeah. for me, I can't even think about failure being an option. Right. You know, I can think about pivoting. I can think about rebranding. I can think about change, but straight up failure I, that can't even that doesn't even go into my head space because it just can't, I, I can't even, I, I can't even grasp what that would look like.
1: No, I, I'm glad, you know, we're having this, this narrative and, it, and it's, and it's come up and it, and it's, you know, depending on the, the individual and the conversation or where people are at, um, uh, entrepreneurs are, we're, we're going through that, this same kind of narrative and conversation because of how many crises and uncertainty we've, we've had to deal with, um, along the way. And it, we don't want to take away from anybody that hasn't um, had the that um, route, if you will. Um, But we definitely can. uh, The good news is we're in a position where we can empathize with others and say, "Oh, I know exactly how you're feeling. Oh, Mm -hmm. I know exactly how you are feeling. All of it, pretty much all of it. You know, Um, I I have dealt with death in the family, cancer in the family. Mm -hmm. You know, loss of. Again, I said this on another podcast: loss of family, loss of." you know, income, loss of home, like everything, everything, relationship, everything, you know, so it's like I but um, there's a the narrative, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs is kind of like because we've had to deal with a lot of that uncertainty, um, you know, we have at least that luxury of knowing what the other side also looks like. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is like it you're, it, it is, must be some sort of chromosome. Cause like the, my, I get the vision of 300 right away. And like, I like <laughs> <you> know, Gerard <laughs> Butler and I'm like, let's dance, let's do this, you know? Um, and I get that there's a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people who are like, don't give me that narrative. And they're you know, like, I'm not here to give you that narrative, but what I am here to tell you is that you can actually lean into, lean into understanding the fear. And then if you want to ask any questions about how I've dealt with it, I'm more than happy to share. And maybe that'll give you some help and some hope during the, the whole thing.
0: Well, and also like what I also try to tell people is I try to be as sensitive as as I can to the fact that other people are going through different things. But if my business stays afloat and if events come back, that means more jobs for more people. That means more creative outlets for more people. That means ways for people to connect, people to network, maybe get business for themselves. So it is sort of a forward motion from outside of just me. You know what I mean? And I I will say that I'm... Really proud and very excited to see some of the people in my field, catering companies. Um, you know, there's a company that we called, call we use a lot called Custom Inc. They're online, and we use them for a lot of branded t-shirts and and things like that. They're selling masks, so I just bought a bunch of masks from them. You know, I'm trying to utilize the things that I can do to support people that I've worked with. For. I have friends that own restaurants. Yes. We're trying to get essentials and takeout from that. Like just anything that we can do to help each other out. But, I, but again, it goes back to that scenario that we were talking about earlier, where if you're a team player and you're in it and you, you want everybody around you to sort of rise with you, then this is how we can all do our yes. small part to give back. You know, yes. I mean, and I'm going to remember all these cool catering companies that were doing cool things of course. over COVID. Because when things come back, those are going to be the people that are at the top of my mind to do something with. Because if they're this creative and they're doing all of this to keep their business afloat, then I want those efforts to be rewarded at the end of this thing.
1: That, that right there is everything because, you know, it's a, you remember how people show up during a crisis. I said it the other day, it reveals character, yep. right? You know, it doesn't create it, it reveals it like and how you show up. Um, you don't forget that, and the other side of you know how you're thinking is I'm thinking about the future because there's going to be one, and because there's going to be a future, you know what can we also do today to support where we're presently at, and um, be thinking for tomorrow, and I you know I think that's a very entrepreneurial mindset. I think it's I think it's a very innovative mindset. I, I think um, you know crises breeds um, the highest level of innovation period throughout history and that's been talked about previously. So I, I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. And I think what, you know, to give a little bit of hope to people like you're going to see, yes, there's a, an economic crisis, but they're going to also see a huge, huge economic boom after all of this, just because like, the, A, from the innovation and B, from all the new needs and C, from the like upstart again of, of commerce in general, and of, of, of mm-hmm. life. And, you know, so I think... Preparing for where we're heading, not um, you know, kind of uh, sitting in the past, but just you know, acknowledging where we're at, acknowledging where we came from, but preparing for where we're going, which is also a very entrepreneurial mindset. I get it; <laughs> I can't help that. But it's like I'm always, I'm always prepared for where we're at and working backwards, um, so that way I'm constantly thinking of how does future Matt and how all that's set up um, being worked on right now in the present for where we're going. And I, I just, I think that that's just, it's really important because you're going to remember the people that we're going to, you're going to work with. You're going to remember, you know, oh, we're going to need all these people to, to, um, to hire them. We're going to need to do all these different things. Uh, so I'm, I'm also really grateful that you're thinking that way, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and also, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be, there's going to be some really, there's going to be some people that don't bounce back from that. And there's going to be people that do. And to your point, I think that there's going to be a huge boom. I absolutely second everything that you just said. Um, my hope is that people go back to being savvy. And, you know, one thing that I'm really proud of is we kept our overhead low. Um, I didn't fall victim to the big flashy, you know, spending money or taking out loans or this, that, and the other for things that I didn't need. Yes. I think that, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so, you know, image, image is a big deal in Los Angeles. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen colleagues of mine. And I, I look at the things that they're posting about and I look at the trips that they're taking and I'm just like, how does math work in their house? Because <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but you know, My hope would be that there'll be a fiscal responsibility at the end of this, especially for small business owners where they really, again, have to go back to being strategic and smart with their money and being very savvy. Instead of just, you know, opening up a shop and getting a painter and painting the walls, get some bids, get the best deals, do some stuff on trade. My hope would be that this will sort of teach people the lessons of sustainability as well and how absolutely important it is to have savings. You know, I, I think some of my colleagues that are getting hit the hardest are the ones that literally lived, you know, and I'm sure we all know these people and I'm certainly not criticizing, but I'm just, I mean, maybe I am criticizing a little bit, but I don't think it's a, you're not playing the long game. If you get a check. And you spend it and you get a check and you spend it like you really do have to be cautious and have some stuff put away for situations. I mean, this is unprecedented, but, you know, I mean, there's little fires everywhere and you have to be able to invest in yourself. And if that means getting a less expensive car or skipping the newest iPhone or, you know, not getting your nails done every two weeks or, or whatever it is, and just scaling back a little bit. My hope would be if anybody takes anything out of this, it could be a little bit more fiscal responsibility and investing back into their businesses, so that they do have their own safety net.
1: Right. And for anybody, uh, while we mean fiscal responsibility all over the place, we are talking about business owners, just in case anybody's like, you know, oh yeah, you know, oh, just yeah. just so everybody's aware, like we're talking about the business owners, like there's you know the people who work for the business owners we get it. There's a whole other situation going on there. We're just, just addressing the, the business owners that are maybe not, maybe that are not a being as responsible with the money. And they could have actually had, they planned with it differently, could have also taken care of more of their employees. employees in the so, exactly. so just so you we're we're actually on your side as well. Absolutely.
0: But I will say for employees too, you know, I have a lot of people in my community that are, are young. And yes. again, a few of them have outreached. A couple of them have been coaching clients of mine and whatnot. And even, you know, even with them, I have said, you know, yes. in individual fiscal responsibility. My hope would be that this is eye opening, even for individuals in the sense that, um, you know, just looking into the ways that they can invest back into themselves and not into their things. Now, you know what I mean?
1: I do. I do. You know, and had I not learned from my father in terms of like when you know when he he took one of his really his his biggest hit ever that taught me a lot at a very young age and then um, that then helped me navigate about how to um, how to put away for the hits you don't see yeah because um, that is a very very common thing putting away for the hits you don't see um, and so um, that is something I want anybody and everybody to like at least think of moving forward from here it's okay if it happens by the way there were times I, I wasn't oh, early, early on, there were times I wasn't prepared, but pretty much ever since then, there've been times I've been prepared. It's, it's sort of like what I use in, you know, as, as an emergency or whatever, or, or as life changes, because the hits, there are always going to be hits. You just don't see it more so as an entrepreneur that you're kind of carving out your own path. So that, you know, but I say to anybody, yeah, that responsibility of like, you know, maybe one less pair of, you know, Yeezys or, or, you know, eating out at, um, you know, uh, you know, one of your favorite, like Nobu <laughs> or, or or, right. or, or even like, even, you know, whatever, like even like one place that costs you like only a hundred bucks or whatever, like still like these last little things where you can be like, no, I'm going to put that hundred here. I'm going to put that 300 here. I'm going to put that 500 there or 200 or 50 or whatever. Um, just, you know, hopefully there's that, um, there's that notion of moving forward. Like, okay, okay. Hits can happen anytime on huge, massive, unprecedented scales what can I get out of this for the future? So that way I can, you know, make sure that, um, it's not as crazy, but yet I'll still, you know, it can still be whatever it's going to be. So I'm glad that you bring that up even at the individual level, but yeah, it, it, it was, it's it, you know interesting to see, you know, business quote unquote business owners that, you know, how they were spending money, um, you know, could have avoided a lot of things like including their employees and other things as well too. And, um, you know, I kind of embraced the whole, if I really don't need it, or I can't afford it twice, right? Isn't that what uh what was one right. said, Right. If you can't Jay Z, I think said, if you can't afford it twice, don't buy it. <laughs> so, well, no. So
0: you want to own your things. You don't want them to own you. Eight,
1: that's exactly and, it. You
0: know, there's nothing worse than being in a room full of stuff and having horrifying credit card debt. I mean, there's nothing worse because Amen. you don't own that stuff. That stuff owns you.
1: Amen. And listen, and that's an energy. All,
0: we all pay bullshit tax all yeah. of us as business owners all of us there's always those things or that consultant you hired and got nothing out of it or that you know app that you bought that didn't and you didn't end up using it. i mean we all have those little i just call it bullshit tax because i just feel like every there's just always that percentage of money that goes to like a mistake you know especially early on in our businesses you try something it doesn't work out you look back and you're like damn i wish i hadn't spent my money on that oh yeah but i think that mistakes that you made out of a missed strategy are very different out of mistakes that you made out of wanting to present yourself as something that you're not, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've, I've seen a lot of people out there, you know, c- kind of presenting themselves one way specifically on social media. And these are people that I know, and I know that their life is not that. And I think that it does them and the people that are following them a complete and utter disservice. Because I think if there's anything that is one good thing, I think that will come out of the COVID pandemic is I think there's going to be a real um, embracing of authenticity because this is something that we are all going through together. We're going through it in different ways and from different vantage points and out of different sets of eyes. But this is the only time in our lifetime that we have all gone through something globally that has affected every single one of us the same, the same way, quote unquote. And my hope would be that it brings us a little bit closer together and it does help us all be a little bit more sensitive to the fact that, you know, we can help each other out and, and you know, we will, we will all get through this and whatnot. And I hope that the kindness that I'm seeing that people are, are presenting to people continues and, you know, and we all take a minute to sort of like really sort of go back to our authentic selves and what we really care about and what our brands are really about. And listen, your brand could be about fun. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, let me tell you something. I am doing everything I can to, to try to find some fun, funny humor, whatnot. Um, But I think that nobody wants to see somebody on social media or a brand or an event or an entrepreneur or whatever, talk about stuff that they really don't have, or they really can't offer, or they really don't do well. I think after this, like we've all, once we've all come out the other side of this, we will all have gone through such a huge global experience together that the time to be authentic will be then. One hundred percent. If not now,
1: yeah that that's my hope because I'm tired of us being alone on that.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm tired of. Yeah. I love when CEOs be like uh, talk about like yeah, how do I do that? You know, with the with communicating with the brand. I was like authentic. You know, they're like yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, like but I mean, like you know, I was like honest. Yeah, got yeah. it. Uh, I was like, you know, the there's a reason why they say the truth shall set you free it won't be tied to any other expectation, but being exactly who you are and attracting exactly what you need and want and grow from a place that's very um, organic and beautiful and much less resistant when you are Agreed. very honest. Um, but I appreciate you. Thank you so much for Thank being on the show. Where, where can everybody find you online and contact you and, and, and follow along on your journey and or maybe get in touch from a business standpoint, etc.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, well, I'm on Instagram. At Gina Wade creative. Um, we also have a great Facebook page where we have big albums of all of our events. And that is is I'm on Facebook as Gina Wade creative. Um, you can get in touch with us at info at Gina Wade creative. And that's all on our Instagram as well. Um, our website is www.ginawadecreative.com. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty easy to track down and I'm really good about um, interacting with people. So if people want to DM or anything on Instagram, that's probably the best way to get me.
1: You are, you know, thank you so much for your time. We actually went on, we're on an hour and 21 minutes. We can It it goes by fast, doesn't it? It always does. It
0: does go by fast. Well, I mean, this is like, this is like coffee with a friend. You make it so easy, Matt.
1: I say it's coffee. It's coffee that the rest of the world can hear. (laughs) Right. I love that. You know, we're sharing a coffee conversation, but, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on the show. And as I mentioned previously, you're welcome to come back on anytime. It's a very journey driven podcast. So, you know, and we'll be living in some hopefully here at different times sooner than later. So that would be also interesting as, as things start to pick back up and do other things. Um, so you're welcome back anytime we can talk about any other area that yeah. you'd like to. And uh, yeah, I'm just truly, truly grateful for you.
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh. I am thrilled to connect with you and I'm wishing you and your listeners just all the best. I'm sending everybody a huge virtual hug and I just hope that everybody stays positive positive. and I can't tell you how much I appreciate coming on and you having me it's such a thrill. So thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. And thank you know, thank you for coming on during a very, uh, you know, tough time, weird time, but interesting time, but, you know, thought provoking time, perspective driven time. I don't know really what to categorize it <laughs> as, you know I, know, I appreciate you doing it during because we are actually in the middle of making history. So
0: I agree. So. Well, listen, um, there's nothing better than connecting with people like you and your listeners and I think right now we all, you know, human contact, social distancing, that, you know, just connecting with people. It's just so important, especially, you know, during this time. My, my true thought is that we'll all get through it together. So just having this conversation with you has, has really been so therapeutic and amazing for me. So I hope I offered a little bit of insight. And I, I I can't wait to come back on again soon.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Kick back just for one second. I'll connect with you here offline in a second. Um, awesome. but for everybody listening, please check out Gina Wade creative on Instagram, ginawadecreative.com Wade com, or you can email our info at ginawadecreative Wade com. And, uh, you know, just, you know how we are. We're a global community. We support, um, if you guys have any questions, you know, Gina's been through a lot. I've been through a lot, but Gina, you know, you can reach out and, uh, you know ask like whether from uh whether for your business or for you know just thoughts on the journey um you know now is a great time to lean in when you don't know something or you're maybe you're worried about your business or your personal life or whatever it might be it's okay to ask for help as that was mentioned it's perfectly natural to ask for help it's actually the right thing to do um and you know all of you guys I, i'm praying for everybody to be safe happy healthy during this time Um, You know, or at least continue to keep working towards those really important things in your life, finding peace and calmness amidst all the stuff going on. And, um, you know, we're here as a resource and a platform to continue, you know, having great conversations and to lean into forward progressive positivity. And, uh, you know, while, you know, obviously keeping it 100% real. So I just want to thank all of you guys for listening. For my amazing friend and beautiful guest, Gina Wade, for myself, Matt Gossman, for the Hustle Sold Separately, we are out.